0: Hello, it's us. I'm Melody Hansen, editor in chief, and next to me is Lynn Wachgen, managing director of the Luxembourg Journal. Why can you listen to this podcast for free? Well, we want to give you a sample of what we do. Did you know that you can read or listen to all of our articles in French, English, and German? Even our podcasts are multilingual. We do slow news for everyone living and/or working in Luxembourg, and we don't bombard you with news. Instead, we present you with the full spectrum of issues that really matter, whether it's personal stories, politics, culture, finance, and everything in between. And now, enjoy the episode. We get back to you later.
1: Luxembourg Waffle with Laura and Theo.
2: Hello everyone and welcome back into the warm embrace of the Luxembourg waffle on this scorching summer day. Uh, I'm your host uh, Theo, here to chat about the multicultural aspect of living in Luxembourg. As ever, I'm joined by Laura, who looks like she's melting under the sun. Laura, how's it going?
0: It's really warm. I'm actually scared to drop the mic because my hands are so sweaty, so let's hope it doesn't happen.
2: <laughs> yeah, hold on tight to that mic. Um, we're, we're on our way walking to a kiosk to meet our guest, uh, Sanran Gülsen, who's from Turkey. And he's a cycling and running enthusiast. So we'll chat about uh, sports culture in Luxembourg. And he cycled 580 kilometers across the Alps. What? I don't know if I've cycled 518 kilometers my life. <laughs> Probably <laughs> and I, not. And <laughs> I used to deliver food on a bicycle in, in uni. So. Okay.
0: So he did some cycling. <laughs>
2: yeah, but not 518 kilometers. That's crazy. Why
0: that's would someone do that?
2: To raise money for charity. Okay, uh, okay. That's in a good, in that's case. a good, uh, yeah. It's a good reason. reason. He'll yeah. tell us more about it uh, in due course. But um, actually today, uh, seeing as it's so, so uh, damn warm, I was <laughs> I was reminded that you guys need to start building your uh, uh your buildings differently here in Luxembourg they keep all the heat inside you know you see Portugal and Greece with their white buildings and stuff like that
0: Yeah yeah I I mean they are trying to like they're supposed to with the AA plus 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 I don't know how many pluses there can be but they're supposed to have like a, a air conditioning keeping warm system whatever but mm. I'm not sure I think like the really old houses with the really fat bricks. I think that's still the best, the best choice for
2: those. Sometimes going back to basic is not so bad. It's not so bad. I spoke to uh, Joël Schonz. He's the owner of Stugelux, a construction company here in Luxembourg. He told me one of the things that stuck out is something that they will test. We don't know if they'll actually use it, but it's paint that can work as isolation, which sounds like something from very far in the future, but it's happening right now so they'll test that um, okay
0: curious to see how that's going
2: yeah like, yeah it's going to be in due course before even a building is up because these things take a while
0: yeah they do but
2: uh yeah and uh, we have the article on uh Journa about uh circular buildings as well so feel free to have check a read. it out <laughs> yeah exactly do you know what's the highest temperature recorded in Luxembourg ever
0: no, I don't. You guess? I guess. Yeah, I think it was something 40 something probably. It
2: is 40! 40? Yeah, exactly 40.01. What? Zero I, would have, eight.
0: I would have sworn it would be more because, like, the last few summers we had, it was like super hot. So it felt like more than 40. Maybe that's just a feeling.
2: 40 is already it's crazy. a lot. <laughs> I mean, I know we probably have people from Dubai who are scoffing like 40 degrees. Yeah. Amateurs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you've been to Egypt or in Death Valley, like I did mm. twice, uh, yeah. it's it's more, definitely more.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. oh my God. So um, seeing as we're talking about uh, heat and how to get away with it, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to line up. I've got a couple of tips or places where we can... Uh, Go when it's very, very warm. To chill. And you Mm -hmm. have as well. So let's go one by one.
0: So I've got a few like classic places uh, where you could cool down, which are like the Baggerweiren. Um, They are in Remerschen, so it's quite nice there. You can, yeah, you can swim, you can do a stand up paddle, you can have ice cream. And Mm. actually, like it used to be, I don't know if many people know that, but there used to be sand quarries. And then back in the 50s or 60s or something, they just uh, closed that down. And, um, yeah, the course they started filling up with water. So that's why they are here today.
2: That's a good spot. Uh, my first one is very, very different from that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the National Library in uh, Kirchberg. Uh, and we're here in Kirchberg as well. So it's somewhere close to us, I believe. Yeah, it's actually um, quite nice. Mm. Because it has AC, <laughs> right? True,
0: but the building is also beautiful. I used oh. to do the coverage, like I did the coverage on it when it opened. Oh, It was super pretty. Good. Yeah. Um So I have two more swimming places. One that's a classic is Stausee. Uh, so it's more further up north and it's like a bathing areas uh, where you can just go for free, which is really nice. Mm. So you can just grab your towel, grab your barbecue and sit there. You will find lots of families in uh, summer. Yeah, my favorite spot there is... Lulzhausen. So you have the youth hostel there And you can also rent, I don't know, kayaks or whatever Do diving oh, lessons good. So that's a nice place, but it's also a classic um, And then I have one where I I feel like it's related to my childhood That's why I like mm. it So I have a nostalgic um, okay. vision of it It's Galjebjerg in Ash, the animal park Gassi- Do you know it?
2: Yeah, yeah, I've been there ah. It's very nice actually It's so nice My other one uh, was uh, Mülatal, Which is a very obvious one you can go there for a walk. They even have running trails as well. And my last uh, suggestion is uh, Pulvermühlen, which is a uh, kind of a neighborhood here in, in, in Luxembourg. But there's a very, very long uh, cycling route there under the shades of the trees. And there's a, a river uh, across uh, not across but on the side mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's just so nice you just uh, go through you can start the trail from even it's very close to, the entrance is very close to the center of the city as well yeah. um, so it's and you're so close to the city but you feel completely isolated as well you're, like you're way down there in the Grund uh, or as low as the Grund and you just don't feel anything else but there are nice cycling trails we'll, we'll chat more about that with, with Sunrun who's a big cycling fan I've seen a lot of <laughs> photos of him on social media with him uh, in various uh, competitions and marathons.
0: There's actually people cycling around us all the time here. We have to, <laughs> we have to zigzag around because people ca- keep coming at us with their bikes. <laughs> it's kind of dangerous. True. <laughs> That's
2: true. That's true. But we're getting close to kiosk uh, as well, and uh, I believe Sandran is waiting for us there. And let's go and find out if he's indeed there with his bicycle. We're back at Kiosk. Uh, Laura, myself and our guest Sandran. Sandran, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, It's good to have you here. And I'm I'm really excited to talk to you about uh, sports and sports culture here in Luxembourg. But we were just talking about cycling. And we have to know, how did you get here on your bicycle or (laughs) not?
1: Well, I didn't get here on my bicycle today. Um, (laughs) I would always get on my bicycle but today I dropped my father off to the airport mm. uh, and uh, we took the bus public transport. Right. And the morning buses are too full, so yeah, I forgot to put the I mean, I hesitated to put my bicycle on the public bus, mm. uh, which is otherwise okay. You could easily do this and people are tolerant. Yeah. Uh, to my experience, but I don't want to stress other people with like pushing
0: my bicycle in. In rush hour. <laughs> in rush hour indeed, yes. Okay. Oh yeah, so we were wrong about it, but we could have been right.
2: Missed that one, but it's okay. We'll we'll try to guess uh, something else. and Maybe we'll get something right next time. (laughs) Um, But um, on, on on the topic of cycling and actually sports culture, I feel like Luxembourg is kind of a sporty uh, place i see all around people we're in in in, uh, kirschberg now in uh, the park behind kiosk and i've seen so many people here doing yoga on the grass or people walking around uh with with their yoga mat going to their class or i don't know you have your crossfit bros (laughs) and things like that and running as well of course uh because i found out uh about you from the uh, fat buddy dot run collective uh how did you get into that by the way
1: uh, that was a weird story. So I many years ago, I did my first marathon. I think it was year 2017. Okay. Uh, in Luxembourg. And I saw a couple of people running with Fat Betty T-shirts. And actually, the the name caught my attention. I was like... Yeah. Obviously, would yeah. <laughs> Yes. Like fat. Calling fat to a woman after... Like forbid yeah. a woman's name is like really uh, arrogant and unusual pretty rude, so yeah. <laughs> pretty weird so i was like what is this and then i asked people what is this and they told me it's a running group so it's a social
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and then why fat petty they're like i don't know
0: <laughs> it just came up probably
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then like i googled it and i found a facebook group and I realized at that time they were like meeting up at six forty-five in. Oh my god! Uh, PM.
0: <laughs> oh, PM. Okay, okay. Not
1: morning. Okay. I'm not.
0: I'm shocked. not
2: waking up at that time. No. <laughs> there
0: are people that do that. They just wake up like two hours before they need to just to go running. I don't. I don't.
2: I would rather <gasps> run in the morning than in the evening. To be honest with you, uh, yeah. But yeah. that's just me, probably.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there, there are different sides of, I mean, there are different advantages, I think, to waking up early. But like once you get used to it, it somehow works. And I tried both. Uh, but fitting the evening runs to the daily schedule is just
2: easier.
0: Eh? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah,
2: it is. It is. You get quite a lot of people in the evening as well. I think there are a lot of people coming right after work at uh, Fat Betty and you have a lot of expats, uh, a lot of locals as well. But it's kind of a cool place to bingo and meet people, right? Yes,
1: yes. Well, let's, let's be honest. If you meet at 6 a.m., 6.45 a.m. and do your morning run, even before work, you're not going to end up drinking a beer after that. No. So if you want to socialize and drink a beer, grab some dinner and then meet some people and spend some time together, Spendly the evening, evening time is a better yeah. slot. Mm. Uh, otherwise, morning runs have also their like super high benefits. Majority of the running events, except Luxembourg's famous ING is uh, right in
2: the morning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's um, Maybe it's a bit... Um, Mm. Less hot? I d- less hot, yeah. I less hot at that time. I'm and not you're sure. not
0: so worn out by the day, maybe also. I mean, I know a lot of people that do running to get some relief from stress and just to get their mind off work. So that makes more sense to do in the evening, I guess, because then you've had your day behind you. But yeah, in a competition way, I don't know if there's any benefits of doing it in the morning. I don't know.
2: <laughs> so how long you've been in uh, in in Luxembourg, by the way? So I moved here in
1: 2014, February. So b- about right. like nine and a half years Right,
2: so when you got here, did you like actively look for uh sports communities or groups to just kind of socialize? was that a way for you to to meet people uh at the beginning,
1: not really, so I wasn't a big runner at the beginning um, so I had a I had an injury uh, I fell down from staircase so uh, I was immobilized I ruptured the tendon in the ankle and then for three weeks I stayed at home and then like, did some um, uh, physio yeah, and yeah. the therapist told me after some time, I, you have to go and run on uneven terrain okay. on, in the forest and to get your mobility back again. That's how I started running. I had no clue. <laughs> um, and then after like, a few months, people told me, hey, you should do some competitions because they, that will motivate you. Mm. and I said competition what do you mean like oh yeah the marathons okay so I looked up maybe I thought okay maybe half a marathon so I went on to ING website to do the half marathon Mm. it was sold out Uh, so I said okay should I register or not and I registered for the full and hoping that okay the worst case I can just like (laughs) do the shortcut but it kind of like motivates you you put yourself a target and then you say like Am I right to be actually quitting? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, groups like Fat Petty are big motivator as well because it's not only training, but also socializing. So it, it combines all these uh, positive feelings with like with your sports and with actually getting to know people. So it's an amazing opportunity, really.
2: Mm, not bad. I went to a run which was in late November. So it was pretty starting to get pretty cold and there were full group of people like I felt like everyone was there so if you can get enough people for a run in november like almost in december the
0: rain probably yeah. yeah
2: it did it did rain oh. a bit after as well yeah and uh i appreciated that there are people there who've done a couple of runs and who told me oh yeah no don't wear a hat because when you have a hat on because you know it's cold i put my hat on i think <laughs> no no you sweat and then after you get sick because you know you're all uh transpired and when you get in the cold without moving anymore it's not good i'm a tough cookie
1: like i'll go outside even when (laughs) when it's like horrible rain dark and cold uh like uh like in sweden i was running through the cold climate i I had runs that i that i recorded uh when it was minus 27 degrees outside wow okay um Doesn't your, your lungs, like, hurt from the cold air? Or the how? lungs, no. But I know now why Santa has white beard. It's <laughs> <laughs> frozen, huh? Oh. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So even your eyelashes, uh, everything, really. Wow. And I was one instance I was like, I had, like, pretty good gear on me. Yeah. So, But I was kind of, like, sweating inside the gear. So I had, like, gloves, but they were feeling a little bit wet. At some point, I wanted to to take some pictures I took my gloves off took some pictures and uh, wanted to put the glow back on and glow was frozen
0: ah okay
2: <gasps> wow damn that, that is I have to try that that sounds like a that sounds like a test like an experiment <laughs> yeah yes. normally when you run you, you get warm from the run so you uh, you know or you cycle you get warm from that yeah so just yes. don't stop
0: <laughs> just, yeah, well, keep you, running you, straight you, into the shower yeah <laughs> well there's
1: no bad weather there's bad gear that's the uh. mentality
2: just to uh, pop one last question. You uh, have lived in Turkey, Canada, Italy. Maybe I'm missing uh, another one, and you've moved around quite a bit. How is uh, Luxembourg comparing in terms of the sports culture? In
1: uh Just let me complete the list first. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I grew up, born, grew up in Turkey, uh, did exchange in um, Canada, moved into Italy, didn't quite work out, came back. Found a job in the UK.
0: Oh, okay. And
1: then uh, they sent me to the US for a year two years in the UK, one year in the US, and then came back to Turkey, then moved to here.
0: Oh, wow. That's um, the list. Yeah.
1: So three continents, five countries. Uh, well, Canada is, yeah, as well, six. Oh, yeah. Luxembourg now. I think this is really comfortable. The the best thing about here is um, it's so welcoming. I've never faced any discrimination, and it's quite disappointing when you face it. Uh, it really kills all the joy of living in a particular country when somebody discriminates you for just being, like I don't know, black or white or yeah, from a uh, certain country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, even in the states, I had felt it occasionally. Okay because oh. there is like strict rules about discrimination you can't even put a picture on your resume yeah.
0: in the state yeah that's true yeah but then heard.
1: like people ask you like very indirect questions <laughs> okay uh they they always find a way to go around and here this is the opposite like they're they're trying to hire you if you're disabled i don't know like if yeah. they they would be like oh this is okay. diversity yeah. okay so feeling this uh, feeling uh your neighbors are also uh foreigners and uh, also, welcoming is like uh, amazing feeling, really.
0: Yeah, makes and, you feel at home, I guess. now. Yeah.
1: yeah. And at the time, like the global uh, migration crisis, like yeah. things happening around the world, like feeling welcome as a foreigner in a country is is uh, unbelievable, beyond imagination. So I really feel at home here for this particular reason.
0: We always do a part um like we will come back to your and your experience here but we always have like a small part to have some exchange of cultures uh, about luxembourgish phrases and words so we try to give some input <laughs> um so i have huh, i have two different things so i have cards here where i will let you pick one <laughs> randomly and there's a word on it but first i wanted because we're talking about sports and there's like an event here that has a name that's Luxembourgish actually and uh, yeah so it's Wibble and Dribbel I don't know if you've heard of it okay um so actually it's an event for primary school kids uh where they get to try out new sports um so you have like a few days in the year where they come here to cock actually uh for those that don't know cock is like the national center for sports and culture events and they get to try out new things uh and name literally means vibble means moving and drib like dribble means dribbling like in basketball or handball so it's a it's a quite cute name and like a fun fact, we used to have, uh, we have like one very strong man in Luxembourg, Georges Christen, and he used to come, it was like the big highlight, he used to come and pull the train with his teeth or like tear apart a, <laughs> a phone book or something. So that used to be, that's my experience, what I remember from Wibbel because it has existed since 91. So it's a very like standing tradition in Luxembourg. <laughs> so that was one thing I wanted to talk about. And then I have this really fun game called Mukafug. You play with cards like literally that have words on it Luxembourgish like words or phrases And some are really old Some are like still common today And I would like to have you pick one <laughs> Then I will Maybe you can try to read it
2: One, one out of four cards.
0: Yeah uh, Turn it around And then Well the,
1: the back reading was also nice actually The, the muc- word is muke Muke
0: Yeah If I remember correctly It's when something is like nonsense That's muke But I would have to check it again <laughs> Can you read it? <laughs> yeah uh, Sprengelek. Oh yes I'm going to steal it from you So I can read Okay um, So the pronunciation is You did it quite well Um Sprenkerlek You could say for the grasshoppers uh, So it's Luxembourgish word for grasshoppers But it also means a, a boy Or someone that's really like Moving okay. around a lot And being very active So it fits kind of People that like to do sports So Sprenkerlek Yeah Good
2: Anyway, Good. like
0: just the second one related to cycling, because I found it randomly. So you may use it if you have like a problem with your bike and you need to go to a repair place. You can ask for speselen, which are the metal parts actually. The the, the yeah, I think so. I'm not very big They're into cycling. Spokes. Okay, yeah. So in Luxembourg, spächerlen. Spä, oh my god! And actually, they mean um, the the freckles. You can have the same word for freckles. Really? Yeah. Okay. So. Fun fact about that. Yeah, you borrowed <laughs> that shape, one.
1: Shape-wise, it doesn't really match.
0: No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah. really. Yeah,
2: so. Maybe there's yeah, there's probably an interesting reason why they picked that one yeah. for this. I don't know. And uh, moving on, we have uh, another small bit where we talk about uh, specifically the culture of our guest here. So we talk about Turkey here and we have a couple of uh, stereotypes slash uh, myths that you're going to confirm or refuse for us. I, are you ready to do this? <laughs> I'm super ready. Can't be. Re- can't be I'm ready Curious. Yet.
0: You always surprise us with those.
2: Really? Yeah, okay. Sometimes. This one was uh, easier for me to research because I'm from Bulgaria and Turkey is right around the corner. So. Um... I just had to think to my childhood and um, figure out what people were saying about Turkish people. (laughs) Anyway, so the thing that stands out always, uh, which I'm pretty sure is not true, is that in Turkey, men can have like four wives. Oh, I wish.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you don't have four wives?
2: No,
1: not really. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I don't have any yet, but I mean, still, no, that is not the case. Uh, So, Turkey... Since it has become a republic in 1923, has adopted uh, Western rules, um, so it's a modern secular country. Mm. Although uh, at the moment there is a little bit of conservative government, still a secular country.
2: So absolutely not.
0: <laughs> not for not a harem. No, no.
2: Well, that's that's okay. It used to be that way, and um, <laughs> that's all right. That's yeah. You can live with that. Yeah, it's probably fair. Otherwise, um, I would want
0: four men too.
2: You want uh, like a
0: yeah? If, if if men could have like four women, like four wives. Yeah,
2: a woman I would can have like four husbands. Four husbands. Too. You're gonna have to huh. have a really nice fair salary for these four men, Laura. <laughs> 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 Uh, but maybe maybe you do maybe you have a big inheritance who knows
1: fun fact uh, whales have their own men harem actually yeah yeah, yeah. they're Ooh. matriarchal animals and they do have uh, they do mate with more than one male
2: okay. oh okay which animal was that? whales oh whales
1: yeah. I didn't know okay.
2: that damn they it flipped it out of yeah, way around yeah
1: exactly so for them is the grandmother is the uh Biggest and eldest of the family is like passing on the genes
2: and kind of uh, like bees in the information
1: and all that. Yeah,
2: kind of like bees. A little bit like bees. yeah. that's a good point. Well, interesting, yeah. interesting fact. Fact. We um, learned something today. <laughs> number two: women uh, walking around with burqas or having to be fully covered.
1: Uh, well, they well not having to be. No, there's quite a bit of social uh, pressure for some women and some women coming from conservative families are asked by their uh, parents uh, at young age to cover okay Uh, but it is also about like financial independence I know people who have gotten their financial independence either even though they were coming from a conservative family they can say okay now I got my job I don't have the imminent threat of being uh, put in front of the door so I make my own decisions and I can Open my head. Uh, it was actually forbidden to cover your head oh. in public spaces, okay. in uh, government offices, in public buildings, um, until maybe a decade ago. Oh, and wow. that was, Okay, uh, pretty recent. That was one of the reasons why people chose the conservative government because it was also it, it's also quite a limiting factor for women. Like when they were pushed by their families to cover their heads, but they can't go to the university. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what? like, they can be, yeah, they're excluded because they can't open up and not study, so they can't get out of the circle. Uh, but, yeah, um, no, you don't have to cover your head if uh, if that's the case, unless you're going to a mosque, visiting a mosque. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. then, I mean yeah. that makes
0: sense. So yeah, I I was in Turkey like in at the beginning of the year for a wedding, and I was quite I found it quite interesting because here you don't have that many people wearing like a full body Um and there I found it very interesting to see how groups of young women were mixed. So you had one wearing like a really black out where you could just see the eyes the next one was wearing a crop top another one was just covering her hair with like a, a, a scarf or something so the group france, france groups were mixed which you wouldn't see here i think so it was really interesting for me to to experience this and to yeah just have all this mixture which i really liked actually because it felt like everyone was free to express themselves the way they wanted to i don't know if it's true for everyone but yeah it was, yeah,
1: uh, this is the case. The only downside is actually some people who were really covering themselves may not necessarily uh, be making their own decisions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but regardless, we have to give the women the opportunity to get out of their mm. uh, vicious circles and educate themselves and be free. Yeah, yeah. Um, and once they have their uh, own independence, they can then decide on their own.
0: Yeah, choose. Yeah.
1: So yeah. the, the right way of solving the problem is not actually to fo- enforce people to open, but uh, give them the opportunity to make their own decisions.
2: Yeah, yeah they can choose. Yeah. They can choose. Exactly. Uh, another one which is probably pushed a little bit by movies, it's uh, Camels and Deserts. So people think that there are deserts in Turkey with <laughs> camels. Are there? <laughs> uh, there are camels, surprisingly, but no,
1: there are no deserts. Mm. And not as often as you could imagine. <laughs> I've seen a camel first time in my life when I was a teenager. Surprisingly, in my father's hometown, which is uh, one of the western provinces called Aydan. Mm. Uh, it has a coast uh, to the sea of Agency Sea. Mm. And they, in their village, there is a famous uh, national... Uh, camel fighting contest. Oh, okay. That's w- the only <laughs> time I saw a camel in my life. They, uh, like
0: fighting, as in they bite each other, or yes. do they? Okay. Oh,
1: it's actually strange. They they <laughs> need to be uh, on heat to be aggressive, so they they are kept uh, separate from the female, and the male gets like uh, competitive against to get uh, one single female, and then they eventually get to fight each other, but um, there you can find camels, yes, but (laughs) not on the street. (laughs) Uh, Probably you can't get the opportunity to ride a camel uh, somewhere around Istanbul city center, no. <laughs>
2: yeah, definitely not. <laughs> not with all that traffic in Istanbul. <laughs>
0: that would be like slowing down the traffic quite <laughs> <Yeah>. a bit.
2: <laughs> would
1: be well for ten seconds, yes, and then they will run over
2: you, probably. probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For camel. Yeah. Uh, last one. People think that uh, in Turkey people are very religious and they don't drink alcohol. Uh, this
1: also it depends on the location. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually didn't know until also teenager that drinking alcohol was not a good thing or haram according to Islam. Okay. Uh, but when I visited the in, in, the other provinces in Turkey, in the middle of the country, middle of Anatolia, uh, I realized you can't really find bars, and you can't the, the shops. Also, they don't sell alcohol. That's true. yeah uh, they need and they need a license, and usually, if there is one or two in one province, that would be way out of town and where people go out and they would do like uh, they would still go there and drink. But um, if you go like the majority of the places you go, you will be uh, served alcohol in any restaurant by default. Uh, and like the supermarkets also have it.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. You have uh, also your national alcohol, uh, yes, Raki? rakı. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. They served it's, it at the wedding I was at. Uh, yeah, yeah. So
1: it is forty-five uh, percent, and we call it lion's milk in Turkish. Mm. Okay. Reason being, uh, it's a clear uh, liquid, yeah. but what you mix it with water to serve, mm-hmm. and then once you mix it with water, it becomes cloudy white.
0: Okay. Oh, that's why.
2: Moving on, we uh, also would be great to chat about cycling. Uh, Sandra you're quite a cycling enthusiast yourself. I've seen the photos. I've seen a few videos on your uh, social media as well. You did a cycling... Uh, Initiative with a team from Vodafone, and you cycled 518 kilometers across the Alps. Okay, I got that right. That's good. Yeah, very
1: nice. <laughs> Precisely. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes.
2: Uh, can you tell us a bit more about that? How did you uh, end up doing that, and what is what motivated you for that?
1: Well, the motivation was e- rather uh, long ago, be- even before I knew Vodafone existed. Uh, so when I moved to Luxembourg, I was. Alone, I had my own apartment. So one of the ways of like getting to know the people was couch surfing community here. Mm. Uh, so I started getting into their regular meetings and also started hosting people occasionally. Uh, some people doing bicycle tours wanted to surf my couch. Okay. <laughs> uh, then I got to learn about like people doing world tours. Uh, And then I got to learn about another community called Warm Showers, which is cyclist-specific kart surfing. And then that actually triggered me, like I wanted to do some big challenge and I always wanted to cross the Alps by bike. That somehow through those visits, through those people that somehow got into my uh, blood and I was (laughs) thinking like, I I need to cross the Alps by bike. Okay. And after the pandemics, I switched my job and got into Waterphone and... uh, they told me, like, even my first month on my probation, mm. my boss told me, ah, oh, there is a challenge. And then you're into cycling. Uh, they crossed the Alps by bike. Mm. I'm like, okay, uh, where do we sign? <laughs> <laughs> Straight in. <laughs> Straight in. So we had to raise um, a certain amount of money. With The target was 3,800 pounds, which was like four, more than 4,000 euros. Okay. That, that was a difficult challenge. I think the most difficult part was the fundraising. Uh, Not the cycling? No.
2: Not the up the hill at the Alps? No.
1: Okay. The hills were like, okay, they were a torture, but they were like for a certain amount of time and they will kick you and then you will continue. But the fundraising was like day-on-day day challenge. Uh, I didn't end up meeting my target, but I still raised quite a lot of money, more than 2,500 pounds. And that was uh, more than doubled by the company, and the funds went to uh, ocean cleanup. Ah, nice! And the African Tusk Foundation, uh, which both of which uh, really uh, touch my purpose, my values a lot as well. Uh, and yeah, that that was the challenge. So that's how I found it. How I cool took cool. it, um, and the challenge itself was also. Really amazing because you get to ride the best uh, routes in Europe.
2: And that took like... I assume you had breaks like a couple of days and you you slept somewhere and and then that. So we had like five days in a row around like more or less
1: uh, 100 kilometers per day more, uh, and all the climbs, uh, there were like two big climbs per day more or less. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and then we would accommodate in a hotel at the end of the night and there would be a lunch break and Mm. one or two coffee breaks or water breaks just to get your uh, bottles full and then keep on.
2: Yeah, yeah. Cool. How many hours per day would that be, 100 kilometers? Depends on the climbing, but there were, I think,
0: five five to six hours Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. per day. I mean, we're a cycling nation here. Yeah. I don't know. Do you know a bit about Luxembourgish cycling culture?
1: Um, <laughs> well, what do I know? <laughs> what, what, so what is
0: Luxembourgish uh, cycling yeah, culture? We have a few very famous uh, Bikers, you call them bikers, like cyclists. We had like one older one who was re- very famous in the fifties or sixties. Uh, Charlie Gaul. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yes, he had I know streets him. Streets named after him and stuff. Uh, and he was actually—I didn't know this—but uh, I found out that he was called Angel of the Mountains because he like like he was really good at mountain routes too. So uh, yeah. His was, I think he was one of the first Luxembourg cyclists that was very, very famous also on an international basis. And then, of course, you have the Schleck brothers. Probably those you may have heard of them because that's more recent, like they're younger. And our Minister of Foreign Affairs, Jean Asselborn, he's a big cycling enthusiast too. So, yeah, it's decided' This I didn't know, actually. <laughs> ah, <si>. uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Schleck brothers, I know them and they have an amazing shop and every Saturday morning they meet for a ride. Similar to Fat Petty in concept. Okay. Uh, they offer a free uh, croissant and coffee in the morning before your ride. And it's an amazing way to socialize people as well. Okay, yeah. Um, and they do, because they offer free coffee, their rides are called espresso, cappuccino, and uh, macchiato, okay. depending on the speed and the distance you cover. Ooh. So you start around 9 nine thirty ish, as far as I remember. And then you do a ride, several hours ride, and come back to the same spot.
2: Okay. Have you done any of the trails in Luxembourg, like the Velo Summer uh, trails that were announced by, the, with the maps, by the? Um...
1: Yes, I've done. I've done some trails like this. I've done pretty much uh, most of the national cycling roads. Uh, there is a website uh, that you can choose your sport and then uh, download the maps or. Oh, yeah the the online maps for your to import into your phone, mm-hmm. you can download apps that actually like open sourced maps yeah. uh, to uh, import those files and then you can follow them yourself as well. But there is good signage. Uh, the the bicycle roads where they are maintained are really really beautiful really nice in Luxembourg. Uh, it's just they're not complete. So if you want to <laughs> if you want to go from a town. To, to another good luck <laughs> uh, but if you want to do as a sport and then get on your bike and then cover some distances there would be really nice roads for sure
2: moving uh, closer towards the end of our chat and it's been a very uh, enjoyable sun run um, I'm curious to see if you now see Luxembourg as your home and like as your home long term yeah,
1: I, it's my home hmm. without a term. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what is a long term or short term. This is this is where I belong. I can't imagine going back to any other country, any other place now.
2: Yeah, well, uh, closing in on almost 10 years of living here, you're probably... Was there a moment where you realized that this is the place where you stay?
1: Yeah, I think two, three years mark was the the, the time that I realized I wanted to stay here. Okay. Uh, like I realized actually when I, even when I was going across the border to visit Germany or France or wherever, then I would cross back uh, the border and then see on the GPS like Luxembourg flag and I was like, yay, we're home. home. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was maybe two, three years of time after I arrived. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Nice. But yeah, um, also I lost my job during the pandemic. And that, that was a difficult time. So I was on well, unemployment, mm-hmm. uh, which is chomage, French word for yeah. it, yeah. for some time. Um, and it's a certain period they pay you. And after that, you really have to take care of yourself. And the, knowing that there is a deadline mm-hmm. and that I had a very niche job yeah. before was difficult for me to find a job. I felt very insecure that if I could find a job or not, uh, what did you work
0: before, just out of curiosity? What did what was your work
1: before? I was in automotive. Okay. I was in doing software for automotive companies. Okay. Uh, and but I, I'm a mechanical engineer, so I'm not. A, I don't have mechanical engineering experiences, nor MS software engineer. Okay. Uh, so that was difficult to find a job. So. <laughs> They were saying like, "Well, you you're a software engineer, but not a well, mechanical engineer, but no experience. So how's <laughs> yes. it gonna work?"
0: See the problem,
1: yeah. Um, but I went back and I was like, "Okay, I need to like think about what I want to do with my life. Do I want to move?" And uh, my previous uh, customer from my previous employer, who uh, was based in Germany, wanted me to work for them. Mm-hmm. So I had an option to go to Germany, in northern Germany, and work with them. And I, I knew those people. I really loved those people. Yep. I ran with them around the world, including Sweden, okay. uh, on the ice. Um, and uh, I thought, where do I want to be? Which country? Where do where in the world? And I like I want to stay in Luxembourg. And I had this moment in my mind. Uh, I really wanted to stay in Luxembourg because, like, from all my friends all the other Turkish people in Germany or all the like uh, other expats who live in outside their countries, mm. I never heard any as good experience as my I'm having here. Okay. Uh, as much welcoming. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That's great to Thank, hear. Thanks,
0: thanks to Luxembourg. <laughs> I can't be more grateful. <laughs> that's, that's nice. Yeah. It's how it's supposed to be actually. But yeah, it's
2: good if you have this experience. Right then. So hypothetically, if you were to leave Luxembourg, what is the last place you would visit to remember Luxembourg by? I would have had a date
1: or time, which which would be the Duke's birthday. Okay. Ooh, uh, okay. Like going around the city during Duke's birthday time. Mm. But um, I mean, it's very difficult because over the years, especially with Fat Petty, mm. I've discovered so much uh, hidden routes in the city. hmm and it's difficult to pick one. I okay. would maybe do a fat petty run, Okay. Mm. randomly <laughs> through the city, like in the back roads. Uh, yes, like discovering all these uh, hidden back roads. Excellent. That would be that would be it. Like a combination of uh, forest, yeah. uh, the valley, mm. the staircases uh, mm. near the castmates, and. Uh, yeah, or yeah. the historic center and go down to Grund, Like all these combinations that would be the signature of Luxembourg for me. Not a single spot, no.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: That's nice. That's even better. You can do that. You can do the run uh, during the day on National Day and then party into the night on the twenty
0: third. Second. Second, yeah, because twenty third is like the official, the public holiday. So you need to recover from the partying. Yeah. <laughs>
2: right. We just
1: have to find a Thursday. 22nd of June, I think, to be able to year. do the Fat
2: Betty. Right then, uh, that just about uh, concludes this episode. Uh, thanks a lot, Sanran, for chatting with us. Uh, My pleasure. Thank you, Laura, as well, for representing Luxembourg as ever. Pleasure. <laughs> and uh, big thanks to our listeners. We'll catch you in a few weeks' time. Until then, take care. Bye. <laughs>
0: bye bye. Thank
1: you.
2: Luxembourg waffle.
0: Hello again! Head to general.lu and subscribe. You can also find further information in the show notes.